Growing up, I felt like I wasn't good enough and that I was very lost and that I had just no one to talk to and I felt very insecure and unloved. I always hang out with my friends and I always get jealous of them because they had a mom and dad who loved them. And just They got to see their parents every single day. When I was little, my dad left and um, my mom had to work so I basically lived with my grandparents the whole time. My mom got remarried and my stepdad came into my life and that's when we lived together and I felt secure and like loved again. But um, my dad, my stepdad used to, he would abuse me and I would just felt betrayed because my mom wouldn't do anything about it. I would feel like I was second best because my brother, he wouldn't get abused or like be called mean names or anything. So I moved back from my grandparents and living at my grandparents wasn't uh, the best either because I felt used. I just felt very alone and I felt like I wasn't good enough or anything. And then ninth grade, I was at lunch and someone came up to me and, I, and invited me to go to um, H12 at Trigger Love Campus. And that night when I went, I felt God's presence. I felt safe, I felt loved, and I felt secure. And that I felt like I was actually a person. And that was the night I accepted Christ as my savior. But I was afraid what my family would say. So I just kept it to myself and weeks later, my family found out and they criticized me. My mom called me one night and she said that I was stupid and that church is fake and God isn't real and that I don't need to be going anymore. So after the phone call, I prayed and I asked God to give me courage and to help me through this. And after that, I felt God's presence and I felt his love and his grace and his mercy, that he's there for me and he's my father and that he's will always be there for me and he will never leave me. I'm Jack Wynn and this is my story. Yeah. That was so good. Hey, where's uh where is Jack at? Where's Jack? Jack, thank you. Uh thank you so much for uh for sharing your story. Um I am, uh, man, I'm so proud of you, and I'm so proud of your relationship with Christ. And I know that um, sharing your story like that is not easy. Um, but man, I, I, uh, I know I speak for a lot of us in the room when we say that hearing your story like does something to us, right? Like, like I, think, I think there's a lot of stuff, well, I know there's a lot that, is, that God is doing among us. And, uh, and, it's, it's found in the stories of students like Jack. And truthfully, I don't think we tell stories enough, right? Like I know that God is moving. I know that God has changed your lives. And, and, and thankfully, I get to hear many of these stories. But unfortunately, these stories aren't shared enough. And so we wanted to carve out a little bit of time and actually share some of these stories. And so tonight, not only do you get to hear Jack's story, but you also get to hear Haley's, Payne's, and Grace's story as well. And, uh, and, it's, uh, and it's incredible. Uh, I, love, I love these students, I love you guys, and I love what God is doing in your lives. And so without any further ado, uh, we're gonna hear from Haley. So can we give it up for Haley real quick? That's awesome. All right, so Haley, uh, tell me your story. Okay, so my parents, uh, growing up, they were raised in church. My dad was Episcopalian, and my mom was Southern Baptist. Um, and my mom, she got baptized when she was 17, but my dad never did. He con he told me that he considered himself a follower, but or no, he considered himself a believer, but he wasn't a follower. Um, he stopped going to church because he just lost interest. 
And then they told me that when I was four, I asked why we didn't go to church because I started going to a Bible school class. Um, and so they decided um, together that we would start visiting churches. Um, and it wasn't until a year later that my dad actually got baptized. Um, and since then, he's just become a better father and a role model to my sisters and I. Um, then the next year, we moved to Georgia, and we started visiting different churches, and we started going to what was called Crossroads, and that was what Tulsa used to be called. Um, and I don't remember it because I was in, like, preschool, but um, we started going to Central after that. And, I mean, as much as I hate saying it, I really did not like going to church. Um, it was more of a have-to than a need-to. I didn't really enjoy the lessons. I was very, like, disconnected from God, and that just really hurt my relationship even as a kid. Um, and then we started going to Sugarloaf, and it was a smaller surrounding. So, I mean, I felt like I felt closer to God, but I wasn't completely there yet. Um, and I started going to the middle school program when I got into sixth grade. Um, and, and I just remember, like, that was a hard year for me. I cared more about popularity and what others thought of me than what God thought of me. And I just, I cared more about my image. And I started becoming, like, more distant from God than I had been in the past. Um, I remember... Um, in seventh grade, my family and I, we went to Costa Rica and we lived there for seven months. And um, it really opened my eyes to see like how truly blessed that I was and how much I had taken for granted in my own life. Um, but the hard part was I didn't have church for seven months because um, we went to church, but it was in all Spanish. So I, I couldn't understand anything they were saying. Um, so I just sit in the corner and just pretend that I knew what they were saying, but I really didn't. Um, so this did hurt my relationship a bit with Christ. Um, but then like towards the end, when parents told me we were leaving, I decided I wanted to get more into the church, and I wanted to become closer with God. Um, so when we got back, I signed up for DIG, and that was my first camp I'd ever been to. I hadn't been to a church camp before, so I had like I didn't know what to like expect. Um, and I just remember like leading up to that moment. Anytime PK would talk about accepting Christ, I would re like get really nervous, and my stomach would hurt, um, and I would just feel really guilty if I didn't go up. Um, and so when we were at DIG, I remember the first night they talked about accepting Christ, and they gave the kids the opportunity to accept Christ. And I remember they asked you to stand up when they counted to three, and I just couldn't handle it. I got so nervous. Um, and so I, I didn't stand up because I chickened out, but um, I remember that bus ride home. I remember just praying to God and just asking for that courage to stand up and just admit that I was finally ready to let God take control. And that night, um, I remember I was just going through something rough, and I, I don't remember what it was, but I just started praying to God, and that night I accepted Christ on my own, um, but I didn't tell anyone because I was t still too scared, um, so I just kind of pushed it aside and didn't, like, bring it up. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't let anyone know, um, and then that Thursday was the first and 12 at Sugarloaf Building, um, and I, remember, I don't remember what it was about, but Steve, his message just really touched my heart, and I just remember when he started counting to three, um, I just finally stood up, and I just, I just knew that it was time to finally let him take control of my life. And ever since then, my life has taken a complete spin. Um, I have a stronger relationship with my family, my sisters, my, um, my parents especially. I feel like I can tell them anything now, and that just really means a lot. Um, and I, I know that, like, now, if I have a problem, I can turn to God, especially. I can turn to Steve. Um, I can turn to my life groups. And life groups have also been a really big help. Um, I get to, like, interact with girls my age who have a passionate love for Christ like I do. Um, so that helps. And if anyone is on the edge tonight or just in general or you're too scared to stand up, I just, I just, um, I feel like you just need to take that step and um, pray about it or talk to a leader, because accepting Christ is the best decision I ever made. That's awesome. That's so good.
I, uh, I love, I love your story because of your honesty and, um, and that at the end, you know, you said that, you know, it, it's, it's the people around you, um, including your family that have pointed to Jesus and it took a while for it to click. Um, but then, but then when it did, you were all in and, uh, and that's what I love about your story. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Let's give it up for Haley one more time. Uh, so next up, we have Payne West in the house. Uh, Payne, are, are you, uh, how tall are you? Tell six and a half and an inch. Okay, six, six foot, a half, and like half an inch. Uh, so he, he will probably, right now we are the same height exactly, but I guarantee you in two months you're going to be taller than me. So, uh, so here's a guy who's a future uh, uh, Goliath, right? Nine feet, nine inches tall. I believe in it. I think you're going to do it. Uh, Payne, tell me, uh, tell me your story. So I was baptized when I was two, and um, I didn't truly uh, know about God at that time. And uh, a few years later, we started, my family and I, uh, we, we, were, we lived in a Christian home, and we went to church usually, and I never really felt like I was learning about God there and uh, never really realized that I could follow Jesus in his footsteps. And um, then the church closed down a couple of years later, and I kind of never went to church again. Um, and I kind of let go, let go of church and kind of messed up my relationship with God. Um, and then my good friend Ben Foster uh, he invited me to dig, or not dig, um, he invited me to M12 at the central campus. And uh, on that night, I felt like I was actually learning about something about God. And I said to myself, in God, um, I kind of, I wanted to fully uh, walk in his footsteps and be a follower. And um, it's it's been about three years I've been coming to M12, um, and uh, I've been going to dig since um, three years ago as well. And uh, at this year's dig, I finally uh, made the decision that uh, I fully wanted to accept Christ into my life and walk in his footsteps. And I had the, uh, had the feeling it when the, Mr. Derek had a speech and said, people drowning in their sins. And I said to myself that I wanted to help those people that were drowning in their sins. And, and like Steve told me, you don't have to be afraid to tell your story. I want to let all of you know and everyone else know that it is okay to admit your sins and you can't save yourself from it. Mm. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, self-resurrected himself, and can forgive me and all of you. And he gave us the chance to live an eternal life in heaven. And most importantly, to follow Jesus and his ways for the rest of your life. Thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. We, uh, we, had, a chance to, uh, we had a chance to talk over the past couple weeks. And I've, and I've noticed specifically uh, for about the past month that um, as, as we've been gathering together for worship at M12, um, it, it's it's obvious that God has been stirring something in your heart for a long time. And, um, and it's, and it's cool that you had these moments where, where you realized how much God loved you. And the truth is he, he's always loved you that much. 
and uh, sometimes it just takes us a while to realize it. And, uh, and it's incredible that now uh, you know that uh, no matter what the circumstance is, uh, you have a Father in heaven who loves you so much. So let's, so let's give it up for pain. It's awesome. All right, and uh, last but not least, we have Grace Fitz sharing with us. I love you, Grace. Oh, I love you, too. <laughs> so, uh, so, Grace, tell us, tell us your story. Um, well, yeah, I'm Grace. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. I had a really close family. Um, we basically only went to church every once in a while, and we went for, like, the big services for Christmas and Easter and that kind of thing. And this went on until I got to middle school. Um, then we just completely stopped going. Um, as I hit middle school, things got really tough for me, and um, I got into some really bad friendships and some really bad relationships that were hurting me mentally and emotionally, and I really didn't know what a friendship or a relationship was because I really hadn't had one. And so I was thinking that these people hurting me were them caring for me, and um, I just let it continue. And it, over time, like going into my eighth grade year, I everything in my life just seemed to like fall apart in my eyes. And um, I got to a point in my life where I just really didn't care if I was alive or not. And um, this continued for a long time. And um, as I went into eighth grade, I, um, I got new friends. I, and they really helped me a lot um, become somewhat happy with who I was and how my, how my life was. And um, over those months, that January of my eighth grade year, um, everything just kind of slipped out from under me again. And um, I almost watched my little brother like die right in front of me. And that took a really big toll on me. When you, when you sit in your house and for two hours not knowing if your brother was dead or alive, like that, that hits you hard. And, um, and so he ended up being okay. And, um, and so the next couple months after that, I really started questioning. I was like, um, I really thought something saved him. I knew something had to, like he was not supposed to be alive. And I'd always think, oh yeah, maybe, maybe God saved him. But I also would think God would never do that to him. Um, so I kept, I kept questioning for a long time. And, um, and then in August going into my freshman year, I, um, I was invited to 12 stone and I really went in with no expectations at all. And, um, I continued going after that. I liked it a good amount. And I understood everything that, um, people were saying to me. I just really doubted it a lot. I was like, why am I talking to somebody I can't see? And, um, and then, I was invited to an H12 service a month after that, and um, it just seemed like everything kind of clicked for me. I really, like, I understood, and, like, I didn't doubt, and I was, I understood. And so the next day, I called Steve, and I gave my life to Christ, and um, after that, I just grew my faith so much, and the next month, I was baptized and um, in, the, in the commons of my high school, and, um, <laughs> and um, after that, um, I really thought that when I got in a relationship with God, that everything in my life was going to be perfect. I wasn't going to struggle anymore and um, that kind of thing. And so when things really started to get bad again, um, I really doubted God. And I really thought, like, this is not how it's supposed to be. Like, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be struggling right now. And um, so that next uh, end of J January of my freshman year, I went to dig. And um, it's, the whole theme was prayer and how you connected with God and how everybody kind of connects differently. And, um, and my whole perspective on God was just changed. And, um, 
And then, so I came back from DIG and I just grew in my faith gradually. And, um, and later that year, I, was, I felt God calling me to Haiti. So I went to Haiti um, that June and uh, fell in love with it. And I made so many great relationships there. And um, ever since, like I've just been growing so much in my faith. And um, I still doubt God a lot. And I think everybody does. And you just kind of have to, or what I remember is basically, God took a hopeless case and turned it all the way around. And, um, and that my plan isn't always going to be the same as God's plan. Like God's plan is always going to be superior to mine. And I just have to always kind of remember that and that kind of thing. And so, yeah. That's awesome. Let's give it up for Grace. I, uh, uh, I remember uh, the night when, uh, when you called and uh, we were able to talk on the phone. And it, it was, I mean, as, as you can hear from, from Grace telling her story, it's obvious that, that Grace, like, thinks about these things. This was not a casual decision that she made. This was something that she had thought about for a long time. And when I talked to her, I could tell, like, man, she's for real about this. And, uh, and not only did she have a lot of really great questions, but if, if anyone has ever been, like, right on the edge of accepting Christ, I knew it was Grace. And so um, I was able to ask her, I was like, hey, like, would, would you want to accept Jesus as your Savior? And right there on the phone, she was like, yeah. I was like, well, then let's do it over the phone. Come on, like, let's go. And, uh, and so she accepted Christ and I've watched her grow and I've watched her mature. And, um, another, another part of her story I want you to hear, uh, and it's true of all these students as they've shared, um, that she said, uh, it's not, it's not that once I accept Christ, everything in life is perfect. It's that once I accept Christ in my life, when I'm going through difficulties, I have someone to bring those difficulties to. And that's huge. That's huge. And I just love your honesty, and I'm so grateful for you sharing. Uh, can, we, can we give it up one more time for Grace? And uh, uh, you guys may not know this. Maybe, uh, maybe you know it. It took a lot of courage for these students to get up here, share their story. So one last time, can we give them a huge round of applause? Thank you. Awesome. Thank you all. Yeah, I, I, uh, uh, there's a, one of my favorite verses is, uh, is a verse that says how we can overcome. And uh, we all know what it's like to face things that's like, you know, they're bigger than us and how do we overcome. And uh, this verse says that there's two ways that we overcome. There's two ways we overcome. Um, the first one, it says we've overcome by the blood of the lamb, which means Jesus actually dying on the cross for us, that the way that we overcome is that Jesus actually paid his life for us. But then it says, we've overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. See, God actually uses stories, my story and your story, Grace's story, Haley's story, Payne's story. God is using these stories because the way that we overcome is by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. In fact, the past four weeks, we've kind of been zooming in on the story of a guy named David, right? Like, and it's a, and, and the first week we talked about the story of David and Goliath facing this giant that was nine feet, nine inches tall, one of the most famous stories in all of scripture. And then the next week we talked about the story of David and Bathsheba when David messed up because he decided not to fight. And the week after that, we talked about David and Nathan 
and how there was a prophet of God that got in David's face because he didn't even know he had messed up. But it was the story of community and the story of life groups. And then last week we talked about David and God, the story of David and God and his relationship with God. And these stories are powerful. And I think as we're, as we're in this like night of worship time, um, I think it's important that we really zoom in on the story of David because if anyone knew how to worship, it was David. Like David was a worshiper. Like a, a, a big part of his character was that David knew how to worship. In fact, there's all these songs that are written to God that are actually recorded in the Bible. They're called Psalms. And David wrote more than half of the Psalms written by this one guy named David. So if anyone knew how to worship, it was David. And in fact, there's this one story, and uh, this story reminds me that I don't think we know what it's like to worship. I don't. I think we miss something. Because when I hear the story of when David worshiped, I'm like, I'm not doing that. That's incredible. And so this one story, David got so amped up about God, got so excited about worshiping God that he started dancing. He was dancing before the Lord. Like, he just got so fired up, so excited that he's dancing. And then he got really excited. And so he started dancing, and he took off his clothes, and he started dancing. It is literally in Scripture. You guys, you should read your Bibles more because it's in there. It's crazy. Now, now look, hold on. Uh, I'm not suggesting to you that you do that right now, okay? That's not, that's not the moral of the story, okay? But David... David got so excited about worshiping God that he just couldn't help himself. And I think we miss it. And so tonight, for, for a night of worship, I wanted to kind of zoom in on one specific psalm. And last week, we talked about Psalm 23, about how God is actually our shepherd. And so for this week, I wanted to talk about a different psalm, but I tell you this, I could not get away from Psalm 23. As much as I tried to find other psalms and look at other psalms, it's almost like God wouldn't let this one go. Because, see, I love this psalm. It's actually one of my favorites. This is a psalm that I memorized when I was a kid. And then, and then later, uh, my wife and I actually memorized it together. And so we would, like, recite it back and forth to one another. And there are so many lines in this psalm that have encouraged me. So many lines in here that have inspired me. And so I thought it would be appropriate that as we like zoom in to what worship actually is, that we take a look at this psalm that is incredibly rich. And the truth is there could be, there could be a sermon written on like each verse of this psalm. And so we're going to kind of fly through it real quick because there's something incredible in this psalm that even though I memorized it when I was a kid and I memorized it again a few years ago with Catherine, and even though I've read it over and over again, even though I've heard messages on it, there was something in this psalm that I think is the secret to worship. And I never noticed it until about a week and a half ago. I never noticed it. And so I want to look at this psalm together. This is Psalm 23. It starts off, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And you guys remember that from last week, right? That God is, God is my shepherd and I'm a sheep and I wander off and I get in trouble and I get in dangerous situations and yet it's God who's my shepherd. And remember, the sheep does nothing, but the shepherd does everything. And then the next line is so important. It says, I lack nothing. See, when God is your shepherd... There's nothing else you need. And so if you've ever felt like I need something, 
maybe it's because God is not your shepherd. Maybe it's because you're not leaning on him for everything. And he goes on and says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And I love this line. Because I move so quickly from one thing to the next. Like I get really busy and I get really excited about all these different things that I'm constantly moving and constantly moving and constantly moving. And God knows that I need to rest. And God knows that I need help. And the thing I love about this line is that it doesn't say, uh, say God, um, he suggests that I lie down in green pastures, right? He has an idea that maybe I should lie down in green pastures. No, it says he makes me lie down in green pastures because I wouldn't do it on my own. But God knows I need to. And it doesn't say he makes me lie down in some brown grass. It's green pastures. It says he leads me beside quiet waters. And then this next line, he restores my soul. See, there is no drug. There is no medicine. There is no relationship. There is no song. There is no worship service that can restore your soul. There's only one thing that can restore your soul. And right here it says, God, he restores my soul. Then it says, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And then you remember this verse, right? Even though I walk, even though I walk through the darkest valley, and we all know what a dark valley is like. Maybe for some of you, you're walking through the dark valley right now. Maybe it's the dark valley of one of your best friends trying to commit suicide. Maybe it's the dark valley of your own depression. Maybe it's the dark valley of your parents splitting up. Maybe it's the dark fr- uh, uh, valley of all your friends just leaving you. He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The reason I don't fear in the midst of an incredibly dark valley is because God is with me. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me because God is my shepherd. He has his rod and his staff right beside me to comfort me and to lead me. And it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love this line. This is one of my favorite lines. I mean, can you imagine? Like, imagine if God threw a banquet. And, and, and he's got all these table, uh, tables lined up, and there's all this food on the table and all these drinks on the table. And then not only are you sitting at the table, but he invites all of your enemies, all of your haters. Haters going to hate, right? And they're all at the table, every single one of them. All the people that have thought things about you, all the people that have said things about you, all the people that have tweeted things about you, all the people that have subtweeted things about you, they are all sitting at this table. They're all there, and you're sitting there too. And you know who else is there? The God of the universe. And that God is right beside you, and he looks at all of your enemies, and he says, if you have anything to say to him, if you have anything to say to her, you say it to me. Because that is my son. Because that is my daughter. See, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
It says, you anoint my head with oil, which I admit is a weird line because you wash your hair to get rid of oil, right? Why would you add oil onto your hair? That's a weird line. But what they did, they anointed people's heads with oil that were kings and queens. And so it says, God is the one that does that. It says, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And there's something that happens in the psalm. There's a transition that happens in the psalm, and you may not have caught it. Because the transition that happens is grammatical. See, in this psalm, David is writing, and he uses two different pronouns to describe God. He uses the pronoun you, and he uses the pronoun he. And when the psalm starts off, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me beside quiet waters. He's the one that guides me along the right paths. And then it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. It's not he anymore. I'm not talking about God anymore. I'm talking to God. It's not knowing some things about God. It's knowing God personally. It's not hearing stories about God. It's experiencing God personally. It's going from he to you. And I think that's what worship does. I think worship moves us from he to you, from singing some songs about God to singing songs directly to God, to knowing some things about God, to knowing God personally. And I think that's what worship is. And David got it. And that's why he moved from he to you. And so tonight, what would it look like? What would it look like for us to move from he to you? What if tonight, instead of just being satisfied with singing some songs about God, what if we actually sang some songs to God? What if instead of hearing stories about stuff God has done in other people's lives, what if we experience what God could do in our own lives? What would that look like? What if your relationship with God was a relationship where you talked to God personally? What if, what if when we like sing songs and we raise our hands, we're not raising our hands and talking to our friends? We're not raising our hands just because it's fun? But what if we were raising our hands because we were reaching out to God and directly talking to God and worshiping God personally instead of saying things about God? I think it would change the way we worship. I do. And so what I want to do right now is I want us to talk to God together. And so would you join me as we address him personally? So God, you are good. 
And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are the one God that is with me. It's your rod. It's your staff that comforts me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You are the one that makes my cup overflow. And God, we are no longer satisfied with just singing some songs about you, with knowing some things about you. We want to experience you personally, and we will not be satisfied until we do. And so I pray for the students in this room that you would knock down any barriers that they have, anything that keeps them from addressing you personally. And that right now, they wouldn't talk about God, but they would talk to you directly. Would you move us from he to you? Thank you for loving us and for sending your son to die for us. We want you to know, God, that you are welcome here. And that everything we do is for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand up. Hey, guys. I believe, uh, I believe that God is actually here in this room. And I believe that we have an opportunity right now to sing directly to him. And so here's, here's, here's the freedom that I want to give you. Is that right now, I want to give you the freedom to sing directly to God. And maybe for you, that means singing at the top of your lungs. Maybe for you, that means raising your hands in worship. Maybe, maybe for you, that means kneeling down on the ground before God. Or maybe for you, that means actually reading his words to you. So we've actually put Bibles all around the room. And we've turned them to Psalm 23. And for some of you in this moment... The thing you need to do is hear God speak to you directly through Psalm 23. And so now is your opportunity to worship. And I want to invite you not to sing this song because you know the lyrics, not to sing this song because you think you have a good voice, but to sing this song to God directly. So can we do that together? Can we sing to him? All right, so let's worship him with everything that we have. And let's tell him together that, God, you are welcome in this place. <laughs> 